Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So I grew up with parents who didn't believe in any medicine. And we're, we're talking not even aspirin. And you went to school or work no matter what. You simply powered through. And the doctor was only, you know, called on your deathbed, you know, as they called it. So clearly, mental therapy of any type was, was completely out of the question. To show emotion was weakness. You did not rock the boat. And therapy was only for those who were insane. My father would have truly benefited um, from such medical care. And um, our whole family bore the repercussions from his refusal to do so. Um, depression, you know, clearly ran in our family. I struggled with it along with panic attacks as a child and, and all throughout my teenage years, particularly but it wasn't until I married my husband that I was fully supported by him and able to face this head on, you know, with the right type of medical support. I worked with both a psychiatrist who prescribed me, um, you know, anti-anxiety meds, depression meds, um, and I and still take them to this day. And then also uh, saw a therapist and continue to do so. And, you know, but at that time, the thought of ever bringing my problems to work, oh, that would have never crossed my mind. Um, two of my three children have now been diagnosed um, similarly. And thankfully, they have, again, both, you know, psychiatric, medical, and, and therapeutic help. So the facts, one in five people will deal with mental illness in any given year. The good news in this, that our world has become radically more challenging and stressful, but fortunately, oh, so fortunately at the same time, public attitudes have been shifting and they've been shifting towards being more transparent and open and vulnerable and sharing. And, and most importantly, supporting mental health and how and in the workplace support services should be provided and how this is just all so much more acceptable. So today we're going to share with you the stories of, of, of three absolutely incredible leaders and in their journeys with their own mental health and then best practices for how leaders and corporate organizations should play a more active role in supporting their employees who are tackling mental health challenges. I'm Sarah Alter. I'm your host of our radio show and podcast, Advancing All Women, and the CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women. And I am joined by... Brian Shu, Director of People Analytics at Nestle USA, Lauren Romero, K 
category leadership management for Treehouse Foods and Advantage Solutions, and Terry Ladder, Program Director of NAMI Illinois. And for everybody's benefit, NAMI Illinois is the statewide organization of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and it's the nation's largest grassroots community supporting people and families who live with mental health concerns. Every year, NAMI, Illinois affiliates, they help over 50,000 Illinoisans with cost-free support programs offered by trained volunteers who've faced the same challenges. And thank goodness we have NAMI. So Brian, Lauren, and Terry, good morning and welcome. Thank you for being with us. Alrighty. So, you know what? Um, and, and, and we were just talking about this as we were gearing up for the show. Um, and, and I shared the same thing on Saturday Night Live. There's that elite club of people who've come back to host multiple times. Well, we have the elite club of guests who've come back multiple times. Brian is a member of the double club. <laughs> so, Brian, welcome back. Um, we're so glad you're joining us a second time. Um, why are you here today? Yeah, well, first, Sarah, thanks for, for having me here today, inviting me on the show, and, and, uh, and most importantly, for having a show focused on mental health in the workplace. I, I do think it's such an incredibly important topic. And, and my path to here is, is, uh, has had a lot of ups and downs, to be frank, and there's been many influences and influencers along the way. Uh, but when I think about my mental health in the journey, I think it can be best described as, as three broad periods, survival, duality, and now thriving. And yeah. while my old overall childhood experience was, was quite excellent uh, in reality, my personal survival period was, was still the first half of my life where I did have to overcome ADHD, dyslexia, and a few traumatic events. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also began to learn about living with depression during this time. Yeah. Parts of it, I didn't fully understand what was going on. I had some understanding of it from family who had different, different types, um, but it was, it was my beginning of learning what it's like to live with depression. And one tool that did help me on that journey was, was wrestling and specifically some sports psychology approaches that was taught to me by my coach, uh, Tom Manns, yeah. um, and where I learned about affirmations, taking responsibility for myself in, in preparation, and probably most important, the starting of a growth mindset and resilience. Um, and that was great, but I still wasn't really working on myself. Um, my duality period was a large part of my 15 years with Nestle. Um, and when things in my personal life were relatively pretty good and I was working on starting to work on mental health for myself, but I still showed up at the work at workplace needing to be perfect. Yeah. And, and I didn't dare let people know about my bouts of depression or my learning right. challenges, similar to what I heard from you. Yeah. And it resulted in good performance, frankly, but ultimately it was in contrast to how I was living the rest of my life with the growth mindset. And additionally, as I became a people leader, I recognized that I was a decent leader but I was not comfortable being uncomfortable at work. And this was impacting my team performance and frankly, my team development, full stop. Mm -hmm. And so starting in 2017, my personal life had some down moments and I was burned out at work, uh, which is the reality of living this duality period, life uh, style. Mm -hmm. and, and I finally took the steps to create my current period where I'm thriving. I did that by recommitting to therapy and to living my life with alignment, both personal and work. So that led to changes on how I approached my team. And I tried to emphasize meeting them where they are versus force them to meet me where I am. Mm -hmm. And 
And later, uh, I joined the board for the International Surf Therapy Organization in 2021, which, by the way, has an amazing female CEO in Chris Primacio. Um, but uh, this connected my passion of surfing and my growing passion of mental health. And then the pandemic hit. And aspects yeah. of my learning challenges reemerged with the change of how work was done. And, and this required new coping mechanisms for myself. And I could also see my team struggling through massive supply chain disruptions at the time. I was our senior director of supply chain operations. So my team was yeah. going through immense challenges with COVID. And they're trying to also manage the sudden life changes resulting from COVID. And each person had their own situation. But most of us, myself included, were treading water at best and as we navigated these kind of sudden changes. And the good news is this time I could see a different choice and I didn't need to hide my reality. Right. Um, and so this motivated me to fully bring my life into alignment and join our existing Thrive Ability uh, Network, which is an employee resource group created and led by my colleague, Christine Hamilton. And Thrive had three pillars at the time, critical illness, caretaking, and disability. But in February 2021, we added a mental wellness pillar, which I currently lead. And ultimately, it was this step that, that brings me here today is I'm passionate about educating and destigmatizing mental health, most especially in the workplace because it has a direct impact on your team, on Absolutely. your team's ability to get the work done. And it's not about helping people avoid doing work. It's about helping create the environment to get the work done better, more efficiently in a way that actually drives business results. Absolutely. Ah, that's incredible. I, I, um, we, I know we talked about this when we were getting ready for this conversation in our last meeting, but the 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 reality was like as you know we all started working from home it's like you know you used to you know get in the car or hop on the train or you know however you got into work yeah. and you absolutely before you walked in the door pulled out your badge right to get in you're like okay check in my personal life you know outside and 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 it to your point it's like as we were all at home collision Right? Yeah, the boundaries were removed yeah, immediately yeah. overnight and, in, in reality. Yeah, no, and I know we're going to get into that even more, but it just as you shared your story, it just hit me over the head again. Um, Lauren, welcome. What brings you here Cheryl. today? Well, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, well, uh, as Brian said, it, it's it is quite a journey, and uh, I like I like his framework. Yeah. Um, what was it? Th survive. Help me out, Brian. Duality uh, and thriving. Duality and yeah. thriving. That that makes a lot of sense to me because yeah. I, you know I want to start at uh, we bring our personal into our careers, not the other way around, right? So we start out with our early life and then teenage and young adulthood. Mm -hmm. And that's all a very personal journey. Um, I like that word too. Uh, yeah. And me too. Um, so I found myself first in my youth and teenage and early adulthood struggling a lot with depression, um, jumping around from school to school. Uh, being the new kid all the time, uh, some stressors at home, parents divorce, all that kind of thing, things that affect a lot of people. And there was 
I I just didn't have the wherewithal as a as a kid to discover what was out there to help me, and it wasn't an open topic in my right. in my personal community. So yeah. I, I brought that into my professional career, which started about twenty five years ago in corporate life in the consumer products industry with uh, Coca Cola, and then um, so I'm a marketing researcher, and in that capacity. Throughout that career, I've had a, a great opportunity to work with dozens of organizations and their teams, their structures, mm-hmm. which has helped me to experience a lot of different work cultures. And that's been great uh, because that opened up my world to see, oh, there are companies and there are places where employees' well-being is more supported just by virtue of the culture that they have, right? And, and that... Mm-hmm helped me become, start to become aware of those resources. But personally, uh, my, my life devolved into first having kids and juggling work and life, and then a, a career with high travel and incredible hours and commuting with, with tiny kids at home and a marriage falling apart in 2008. Mm-hmm. I was working on a coffee product uh, marketing research project. And with coffee and lack of sleep, I had a basically a coffee-induced breakdown. Um, just, just couldn't take it anymore. Panic attacks, you know, yeah. uh, lots of things. So I took myself to a psychiatrist and was diagnosed with off-the-charts ADD. You know, they did all the tests and mm-hmm. even looked into my lifestyle in a qualitative kind of way. Um, and, and as disconcerting as a label might have seemed at the time, I was relieved because that opened up a world to me of, of resources, of people with a, a similar experience. It's, you know, I had a way to connect with a, a community, and, and that was so wonderful for me. Um, to, to figure out, you know, lifestyle changes. And I was put on medication as well, but I would say the lifestyle changes were, were best. And then to dig into the workplace and, and based on that experience mm-hmm. with lots of companies to start to wonder, okay, what, what is it that I need as an associate in order to be productive? Because I had had to jump from company to company, project to project, looking for this, this elusive work-life balance. Um, and uh, I, I just, mm-hmm. all the things that, that I was able to identify um, made me aware of what I need specifically in a workplace environment to the, to the point that I finally, I guess, matured enough to, to, in, in my uh, research skills to seek out companies to work with that offered that sort of supportive culture and environment and resources. And so here I am, I've landed in a place that is fantastic, just has a plethora of resources and, and, and a really pretty ideal yeah. culture, supportive culture. So that's, that's my thriving stage. Um, yeah. So here I am. Yeah, no. And, and, and I love what you said too, Lauren, which it, it, you felt that sense of relief or, or liberation, right? You know, like it, it, my, in my own personal journey, and and even just with our kids, you know, we we tried to destigmatize it by saying, "Hey, look, you know, it's like a chemical imbalance in your body." You know, my husband's a diabetic. You know, 
it doesn't produce enough insulin. And so he has to inject insulin in our cases, it's serotonin. And, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, it, it, same, you mentioned Brian, and I know you and I chatted about this in our last um, show that you were on um, dyslexia, you learn in a different way, right? You're a genius, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the teachers need to learn how to teach and, you know, so it's, there's like the way you position it, 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 it can be, you know, it can just destigmatize, you know, and it can be so, I think, inspirational and, and, and energizing, you know, for those who, who have to tackle this. Um, so Terry, um, thank goodness we have amazing organizations like NAMI and leaders like you who can guide us all. Let's kind of shift into, you know, okay, what is it that has changed over the last two years? Thank God, you know, that has prompted us all to be more open and accepting and supportive and Lauren and Brian, I know you've got some thoughts on it too, but what, what is it that has caused that shift? And like I said, thank God, right? Well, thank you, Sarah. And I am delighted to be here to represent NAMI. Um, It is an amazing organization that I found when my son was diagnosed with bipolar Mm -hmm. 16 years ago. I have a hard time believing it's been that long. Um, That's what brought me to NAMI. I was lucky to find it early on. And uh, was truly a lifesaver for me in terms of educating me and supporting me uh, and continues to do so. I think, um, you know, the pat answer to what's changed was the pandemic. Um, You know, it just it was such a life changing and universal or I shouldn't even say was it is such a life changing and universal. Right. Yeah, exactly. type of thing. And it changed everybody's lives very dramatically. And it, I think the important word there is everybody. I don't think there's anybody that wasn't in some way touched Mm -hmm. by COVID Mm -hmm. and not necessarily positively. You know, we were suddenly, you know, here in Illinois being told, you're going to stay at home. It'll be a week. It'll be two weeks. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's going to be till the end of April. Now we were talking six weeks. And our lives had this seismic change where, you know, you couldn't go to the places you were used to going. So many of people were now put in a position to have to figure out how to work from home. Our kids couldn't go to school. All of these things led to a lot of isolation for people, both in school, school children, all the way up through those people that were in the workforce. It led to, um, to fear and anxiety because we didn't understand what the illness was. And we were all, I think I speak for many of us when I say we were terrified. What if I got Absolutely. it? And every day mm-hmm. the governor was telling us, This many more people are sick. This many more people are in the hospitals. And these people, this number of people passed away from it. So it was a terrifying time and continues to be in so many ways. And that impacted people's mental state of being. The huge shift was that now it wasn't just those people 
mm-hmm. that were dealing with mental <laughs> illness, right? All of us. It was yeah. all of us right. in some way facing it, right? Um, right, right. Yeah. Any, anyone who had any bit of social uh, not well-being, it was exacerbating that. And those people who thought they were in pretty good shape mentally were now having all of these things pounding at them, impacting their mental wellness and shifting it into mental disease, mental dis-ease and unwellness. So now it shifts the way we perceive things, right? Because before, as I said, it was those people and there was a stigma attached to it, but now everyone was like, oh, wow, it's me too, right? Really, it's, it was, it was a, a catalyst for open dialogue, right, Terry? Yeah. Because yes. um, it, it sort of, there was a collective anxiety that exactly. finally people who didn't get it got it, and it was okay to talk about it because it's affecting everyone, right? This exactly. Yeah. Exactly. To, to, for those of us working in this field, that was kind of the silver lining of COVID was yeah, yeah. more people talking about it. So many more articles written about it that, yes, now it can be part of the dialogue for everybody. It was a tailwind. I, love, I yeah. loved how you just said it, though. Dis-ease. Not mm-hmm. disease. Right. Dis-ease. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. That is fascinating. Brian, I know your take, though, is it, 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 the momentum was building, right? Yeah. This just ended up being the straw mm-hmm. in the camel's back, right? That's, that is a lot how I look at it. And uh, yeah. I very much agree with everything that Terry said. And Terry, I just want to say thank you for your organization uh, before I jump in here, because your organization is who we, 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 one of the organizations we looked at for data and for guidance on how to mm-hmm. work to destigmatize. And so thank you for that. But I, I very much agree with, with Terry. It's, it's, it's definitely the pandemic was the watershed moment that, that, that broke the straw and the camel's back, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to me, when you look backwards and look at the last 10 years, this has been building. It's been building. And I think there's many influences and factors, but two major ones are technology or the advent of smartphones and so, uh, social media. So with smartphones, and I heard yeah. this in, in Lauren's um, intro as well, right? they've changed how we've worked over the last 10 years in all levels of organizations, all levels, grapple daily with the sense that work is now 24-7. And I think almost all of us have felt that at least at times, if not consistently in the corporate world. And, and that has an impact on one's mental health, especially if we're unable to put in those boundaries. And what we saw with the pandemic was the boundaries shifting, right? And so I think that this, this has been happening. We've been building awareness. I don't think we called it mental health, but we've, I've seen more awareness in conversations around burnout and sharing coping strategies mm-hmm. around working 24-7 work-life balance. We just haven't used the words mental wellness before. And then with social media, it changes how we share with others and how and what we share. And it has an impact on mental health, often negative, unfortunately. Uh, but I think, you know, that may have been led by the younger generations, millennials and Gen Z, but everybody, every one of us most likely has those individuals in our lives, either personal or at work. And so I think the expectations of our, as more and more of our workforce yeah. is represented by those yeah. generations, as well as our consumer and customer base, by the way, right? Those, yeah. those expectations of what companies and leaders 
have to do to start attracting and retaining talent are starting to change. So those two things were going, and then the pandemic seems to just have, have combined this and, and really kind of moved us over the hump in many ways. And I think actually created a pretty unique opportunity for those of us who have been struggling with this silently for many, many years to be able to actually overcome your personal stigma, your self-stigma on it and step into the position of leadership, no matter where your title remains, because you actually have significant life knowledge on how to manage this if you've been managing it effectively. That is becoming an incredibly useful resource for so many who are, as Terry mentioned, for the first time, realizing that this does actually impact them at times. Yeah, I call it a big big opening up. Uh, As you're saying, Brian, Mm -hmm. technology being... uh, just just an opportunity for the world to begin to experience others lives and realize they're not alone mm-hmm. and i think we have a whole yeah. we have a whole generation that's come up being much more uh open and honest <laughs> to the world about who they are and and what they need and that translates into workplace culture right so uh, I, I like what you're saying about the open yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, point on this, you know, the, everybody at once, that was so important, Terry, that everybody had a shared experience. I think that's what helped Lauren pull those two things exactly. together, the culture shifting. And then that, I, I think exactly. you nailed that, Terry. It's so, right. so spot on. And yeah. I think it also, uh, Brian, you just mentioned, you know, it gives the opportunity for people who've been living with this for a while to share and to help others. And, you know, that peer support is so important because there's nothing like being with people who get it. Mm-hmm. And we used to think we were a sort of small, exclusive club. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that's not really the case. And there's so many people out there that are hidden, if you will, living these experiences. One in five people every year are going to experience a mental wellness mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. a mental not wellness episode. So using that peer support is critical. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we need to be, you know, open and transparent and share our own journey so that others can benefit, you know, from what we've learned and, and, and benefit from our support, right? Our Absolutely. Shared, our shared experience. Um, thank you all for, like, sharing this. Um, we're going to take just a quick commercial break. Um, but please don't leave us because when we get back in a couple of minutes, um, we're going to cover, okay, so as someone who has navigated this journey, how can you help others as just a person, a leader, and most importantly, how corporate organizations and Lauren and, and Brian are going to share about just the phenomenal um, services that their companies have provided. And Terry's going to share more about what she and Nami can do to help you as well. Um So thank you to everybody who joined us this morning Um, and you're listening in on our Advancing All Women podcast. You can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. So we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. 
We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI Solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Brian Shu, Director of People Analytics for Nestle USA, Lauren Romero, Category Leadership Manager for Treehouse Foods and Advantage Solutions, and Terry Ladder, Program Director for NAMI Illinois. And NAMI Illinois is a statewide organization. It's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And it it provides, it's a grassroots community that supports people and families living with mental health concerns. Um, So let's dive into now, you know, okay, what can you do to support and guide others as they navigate their mental health, 
you know, challenges or, or journeys, you know, what, what can you do as a leader in a corporate to provide those support services. And I know we all have a, a number of great ideas on this front, but Lauren, let's start off with you. Um, okay, thanks. Sure. Um, so as we were saying earlier, COVID was this big catalyst to yeah. opening of the conversation among people and among organizations about mental health. Um, just I'll, I'll just say before I get into our, our resources, which are abundant, um, I, uh, in my journey, I had to jump out of the corporate workforce during some, because of some of the, uh, challenges that I faced work life and became a landscape designer and the lands <laughs> landscape oh. for something totally different, uh, during which I discovered how much mental health, uh, was impacting my work and vice versa and how, how I could definitely integrate a positive mental health experience into my work. And I realized uh, being open with my friends, my community about my own struggles, uh, and engaging them, really, uh, this openness theme that we've been talking about, yeah. stepping outside of myself instead of navel gazing really made a huge difference. And I made a commitment and got really passionate about being open. And so that led to an immediate commitment to be take that passion when I return to the corporate workforce, bring that to understanding what resources are available. And, and so I was delighted to land in a place right now um, I'm at Advantage Solutions, a, mm -hmm. a U.S. largest food broker. Um, so this employer having these resources turned, I, I believe they turned to NAMI to uh, partner with, to develop a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was a discovery that I had, uh, having become familiar with NAMI uh, during some of my uh, freelance explorations into uh, mental health support. So, um, yeah, uh, Advantage offers this wide variety of programs and services to create a supportive, you know, welcoming workplace to mm -hmm. associates. And this is at all stages in their mental well-being, not just conditions, but just times of struggle. Um so their programs include things like employee resource group communities, which are just people affiliated in, in their challenge. They can come out in and out of these communities as they need to, but they're like parenting, um, just work-life balance, uh, different cultural and subcultural minorities. Um, and then we have traditional EAPs that offer employer-paid counseling. We have full med mental health medical coverage, and that, that hasn't always been the case, even in very, very large employers. Mm -hmm. I remember when that was something you had to go search, search and pick to, to find mm -hmm. and pay for. Um, and then the great thing is, and this is definitely part of the partnership with NAMI, uh, we are offered this no-cost 24-7 online counseling service called Ginger, G-I-N-G-E-R, and yeah. uh, that's that's a fantastic thing. Just being an, a resource whenever and wherever and anonymous. You know, there's uh, these are yeah. all things that are confidential, yeah. and they also to support managers and associates. They they use their pathways training courses to offer neurodiversity training, and I that was a new term for me. Uh, I love it because it really covers, uh, yeah. it doesn't yeah. do that mental health, mental illness. It sort of removes all that into something that covers all of us. 
and teaches managers in particular, you know, these soft skills about being supportive. And, and then finally, I think that the culture, it starts with the leaders at the top. Absolutely. They've, yeah. They've yeah. encouraged this culture of, you know, soft management behavior and social supportive associates and then the whole team, you know, uh, you know, they do things like well-being check-ins uh, informally and uh, just everyday support, supportive behavior around work-life balance and personal time. Yeah. And, they're, and they're open. They're much more open than I ever remember leaders being about their Absolutely. own, you know, their own mental health. Um, yeah. So, so I, I'm just, I'm just thrilled that, uh, that things yeah. have changed so much. It's really great. Yeah, it, it's like the the traditional approach was we have the EAP. You know, you can tap into it anonymously. Please don't share what you're struggling with with me, right? You know, and you know, we on another show, uh, one of our guests had shared that, like in a typical survey done in any organization, ninety eight percent of all people have never called in to the EAP, right? It just <laughs> there's stigma there. But what I loved what you shared, and I know, Brian, you had a similar experience at Nestle, is now there are communities of people who are navigating a similar journey, and they're open to be there and talk about it and, and support each other. And then there's the beauty of telehealth. So yeah. this ginger, yeah. right, that you just talked about, you know, it, it, you know, it used to be like, oh, I can't take work off to go see the therapist, you know. <laughs> So it's mm-hmm. like you 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 put that in the back of your mind, like I can't I can't miss work, you know. Whereas now you've you've now got these great communities where at work you can engage with the community as a part of your day, and quite frankly, telehealth can happen anywhere, anytime, right? So it's right. like yeah, I actually heard a uh, yeah. an advertisement on the radio this morning about you know feeling like you need somebody to talk to, call. Or I yeah. they probably gave a, a, a URL and we'll connect you with a therapist that's just right for you, you know, and it's going to be yeah. a phone call um, that didn't used to exist. Now, in the mid 70s, I was already in the workforce. I imagine a couple of you weren't even born, but I was in the workforce. I and- was <laughs> <laughs> right there with you, Terry. Okay. <laughs> but I. Uh, I developed a chronic illness and with that illness came depression and I worked for AT&T and they were unhappy that I was missing a lot of work. And so I got sent to a psychiatrist, which was great, but I was sent to a psychiatrist. So I'd stopped missing so many days at work. There was no soft management going on. It was almost like my punishment. I was glad for it, but it was it was sort of viewed as a punishment that I had to go through this because I was not performing and present as much as I should be. And that was like in 75. So it was nice to hear what Lauren is saying in her organization, the softer approach, the let us help you approach as opposed to go get better. Yeah. Now, Terry, as you say that, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite analogies that I use when I describe when we talk about mental health in the workplace and the shift that's, that's occurring and will continue to occur. And that is that many of us grew up at a time when if you're playing athletics, you were not given water and water if you, you know, it was a punishment, right? It was a, you only got water if there's a reward. And so if you didn't do well, then you didn't get water. 
Mm. First, and that was before. Now we have today. We have educated ourselves. We understand what water means to the performance of an athlete. Right. And no coach right. in their right mind would ever withhold yeah. water from their team, regardless of, of right. their performance, because the outcome of that is only going to degrade performance in addition to hurting an individual person. And so I, when I think of that and how, how understood that is today versus mm-hmm. how misunderstood it was before, mm-hmm. it's the same way I think about leaders, coaches, whomever, institutional leaders, how they look at mental health. There was a period of time when, when that was the behavior and it wasn't that long ago. And I think the shift is starting to get people to recognize just like coaches did with water that hey hey, just beating up my team or or pushing them out isn't actually going to help me perform and I think that's the really important thing here is that Mm -hmm. this isn't again I said this before it's not about giving people excuses to not be able to get the work done it's being able to approach them meet them where they are and enable the, the, the environment so that we can all get the work done and do it as so as a team and I think that's the shift that's starting to occur in Ideally, we we continue to accelerate that change very quickly. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen um, the statement that says mental health is health. Yeah. It's it's as much a part of taking care of ourselves as your husband, Sarah, getting his insulin shots, uh, me taking medicine Mm -hmm. for my illness. We have to take care of our mental health as well. Well, and, or, even, and, or even just wearing glasses, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Well, there's vision care, you know, so that we can all see. And, you know, it's, it's, you're right. it's as it, it should be as foundational as that. Yes. Yes. And a lot of that then comes to the eradicating the stigma. Um, and I think mm-hmm. what we're hearing being done in Brian and Lauren's corporations is really goes a long way towards eradicating that stigma. Lauren, just like you, as soon as my son was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I was like, I am not going to keep quiet about this because my son has an illness, just like someone who has Crohn's disease or epilepsy or some other illness. And I'm not going to be quiet about it. And I'm going to let people see that in plain old families, these things happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what NAMI is about, is just getting it out there and eradicating that stigma so that people that need to handle issues with their mental health will do it just like they would take care of their physical health. Right. Just like you're saying, Terry, that is truly an on the ground approach because absolutely, um, we talk about the formal approaches, the things that employees they're doing, but really all of this is about caregiving, you know, our work-life balance, that term right on the ground, as you're saying, it's caring for yourself, caring for your son, caring for your elderly parents, right? And exactly. I, I just, I think I, I, the elephant in the room, and, and it's, we're sponsored by the Network of Executive Women, <laughs> and I have to say, can I, am I allowed to say that as women enter the workforce, these issues, because it's not that men don't Absolutely. do a lot of yeah. care because they do, and the pressures on them of these roles were also, have been also huge, you know, it's an unfair thing that they didn't get to see their children as much as they were supposed to. Absolutely want to. So as caregiving becomes destigmatized and supported, 
you know, we all, we all benefit so much. And I think the awareness of that came along with, you know, women for men too, you know, it was a benefit to everyone. Right. Our, our organization is run by women, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, I don't, but I, I always want to include men because I think everyone, oh, absolutely uh, everyone needs it and benefits from absolutely. it and is a caregiver yeah. in one way or another. So. Yes. Yeah, no. And yeah. incredible male allies like Brian, right? <laughs> so, so provide, okay, so you're a corporate organization, provide the services, right? you know, provide the benefits that speak to mental health because it is health, right? Just as, as yes. you have physical health, you know, dental, vision, you know, you name it, those types of support services, you need to provide the benefits and the support services from a mental health perspective, provide the communities, right? I know, Brian, you've got, you know, you helped found, you yeah. know, an incredible employee resource group. Let's talk about though, okay, you're a leader. Yep. And you don't have personal experience with this. And you now have an employee. How do you make sure that you are approachable and supportive? And, you know, because that's that's what's so pivotal, right? Like, I'm only going to truly share it if I feel like it will be okay for me to share it. I won't be judged and I won't be discounted, right? So how do we go about doing that? I know you all have great thoughts on that. That's a difficult question for sure. And it, and, it, and I would encourage anybody in their organization looking to do this to really think through this aspect, regardless of whether you have personal experience or, or not. I think when you think of an organization, particularly a large organization, some things to keep potentially keep in mind um, would be before you enter into it, could you figure out a way to normalize the growth versus fixed mindset? So growth versus perfectionist mm -hmm. mindset. One celebrates and encourages continuous improvement. One mm -hmm. celebrates and encourages perfectionism. Right. The growth mindset is going to allow the language to start to evolve and, and, and let people see that growth is that. actually the way, not perfectionism. Because if yeah. we're in a perfectionist language and organization, I'm not going to bring this forward, right? As, yeah, as a human, yeah. you're going to hold yeah. it back. So I think regardless, right, right. just even before mm -hmm. bringing mental health, that is an enabler to drive these, these cultural changes and the change cycle that will have to occur with it. And then I do recommend that a senior leader does lead the charge. And I don't think that it has to be, because I, but I do think the journey is much longer without that. And the reason for that is because of the stigma, right? There's self-stigma, there's public stigma, and there's institutional stigmas. And those are the three general stigmas that people are going to have to navigate through to enter into mm -hmm. this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so a senior leader that, is, that has worked through something um, or has awareness of it that can share their story, right? NAMI has, is one of the organizations that's told us this, this is the way to destigmatize because it, it, it does exactly what you, you mentioned, Sarah. It, it, it breaks down the barriers and it makes me approachable as a senior leader. And it also starts to show that the institution is behind it. The reality is, though, this is a difficult subject. And so there are going to be, you're going to hit people that are don't have awareness and they are uncomfortable. So I encourage the story sharing because it's a approachable way into the conversation. If I'm sharing my story and how I'm overcoming it and how I'm managing through it in service towards mm -hmm. our work goals and my team goals, well, then it's not threatening to you, as threatening to you, 
if you haven't experienced it, you're just learning from my story. And if you can then take those stories and flip it into reflective questions to try to get people to stop, reflect, and move forward with intentionality for themselves and recognize that your solution for yourself may not be the same recipe for them, right? We all require a slightly different recipe for, for what works for us. And I think you start to build that momentum. And then I think it is what you said. You pull together the resource groups and, and you build the momentum from below and, and you start to encourage leaders. I think two standards that need to move from um, into leadership is being comfortable, being uncomfortable, because that allows us to have the intersectionality pieces that we talked about before, Sarah, where I, you, I don't necessarily need to have the experience. I just need to have awareness that I don't have the experience and that yeah. there may be different ways yeah. or approaches or challenges. Well, and, and, and then also it's, I think, um, making sure we meet people where they are. And sorry, Lauren, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I just wanted to, uh, what you're saying is, is uh, reminding me of this, the cultural, the importance of the cultural uh, tone that leaders are setting and not just make that a formal experience, but as you're saying, people stepping outside of themselves and uh, that that there's empathy involved, that it's not just a yeah. formal practice of opening up the organization and the culture from the leadership, you know, on down, but it is an everyone engaged in step in stepping outside of themselves, um, caring about one another, trying to enhance others' mental health. And that in turn creates a, a feedback loop that enhances your own mental health. So that's, you know, we're everyone opening up and, and allowing others in and also being well said. Yeah. Well said. It's like a snowball mm-hmm. that starts building. Yeah. And then as you if you have leaders yes. sharing, that's when senior like the top of the organization I encourage you to recognize those leaders, right? Encourage that behavior because that is what breaks the institutional stigma. Yeah. Because when people below see somebody doing it and then actually being rewarded, not punished for it. That's what builds the trust in the organization. So this needs to be authentic and yeah. then needs, and then people then need to see that person not get their career impacted from it. Right. And, I, right, and, right. And, yeah, yeah. and as you do that, those early adopters become the change agents for your organization. And right. Um, right. that's when you yeah. can really, really take off. And I think, and, and I think that's the moment where as an organization, we start to try to, we can try, you can try to move it out of employee resource groups or keep it in there, but expand it into what is your learning organization, learning and development look like for your, for your leaders? Do you have mental health training in there? Mm-hmm. Can you add it? Can you add awareness to these things and make it a standard of leadership to where now when you have people coming into your organization, they see that that's the requirement to be a leader. And so right off the bat, I start thinking about how do I become that type of leader? And I think yeah. those are the stages of getting, building momentum, institutionally breaking down the barriers of, of what the stigma looks like, and then embedding it into your actual leadership training. If you can take right. those steps, I do think we really move forward the momentum of, of, of developing a much better workplace. And, and frankly, yeah. as an inspiration, I offer this. I do think that in the next five to 10 years, this isn't a nice to have. This is a imperative to have. It's table stakes to be able to attract and retain talent and ultimately drive your business forward. So so link it Mm -hmm. to business results and how it drives business results. 
Well, I think it's already here, uh, right? I mean, we all see it already here. It's imperative now. Uh, And so I think it's happening really fast. And like we said earlier, with COVID, you know, maybe it is here. You know, we're finding um, within the last probably eight to 10 months, I have done or am preparing training for corporations. Uh, One was an insurance company. uh, One was uh, the community college organization of librarians. Another one, uh, an online educational institution, all looking for training for their student-facing or employee-facing staff to help them recognize Mm -hmm what mental health issues look like in the people they're dealing with at work. And so we've been doing training through NAMI Illinois of these forward, these people facing groups within these organizations to help them know what are some of the signs you might see? You know, what does it sound like when someone who's experiencing a, an episode, a mental health episode, what are you going to hear and what can you do? And so, you know, these three types of organizations, you know, are among the ones that we're dealing with now developing training to help The employees in those companies know how to deal with either their clients or their internal employees in recognizing mental health issues and finding resources to provide for them. Very encouraging to hear. Absolutely. And, And so for everyone listening, if this is an opportunity for you as a leader in a corporate organization where you can do more, Again, please check out phenomenal organizations like NAMI um, because they can help guide you through it. Lauren, Brian, and Terry, you are amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. What an incredible conversation. Um, Thank you. And I want to thank everybody who listened in today. Uh, Voice America, as always, I thank you for giving me a new the opportunity to share our voice and our mission with our audience, and most importantly, to shine the spotlight on incredible people like Lauren, um, Brian, and Terry. In next week's show, we're going to discuss the biases that exist in the workplace against real bodies. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. And how do you prevent these biases and this discrimination from happening? To learn more about NEW and listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. And again, huge favor. We would love your thoughts on other topics you want to hear us talk about. So reach out to me at inspire, I-N-S-P-I-R-E at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again... Enjoy your week.